offering, come on up. You know, when we take this offering, I don't want you just to think about giving your money to the church. I really want you to think about giving your money to the Lord. Uh, that's not a, a stretch. This is his work. This is a great place to sow your money into. Um, you know, we've, we've just had the privilege of seeing so many people come into the kingdom in this little church. And I, you know, I know churches say that all the time. And ch- there's a lot of great churches in Amarillo, and this just happens to be one of them. But this, p- the particular ministry of this place is such good ground for you to give into. And I know a lot of you have not ever um, crossed over into trusting God with your money. And I just want to say to you, if you would just trust God and say, Lord, I want to sow into that place because I, I love the fact that they're restoring uh, prisoners back into society. I love the fact that they have a resource center over in San Jacinto that's feeding just thousands of people. And I love the fact that there's so many people that come to this church that wouldn't otherwise be in church. And I love that. I love that DNA of that church. And I just want to say to you, if you, if you believe in that, give it to the Lord. He's done this. He's grown this place up and he's the one that sustains it. But I'd like you to partner with it because why do I want you to partner with it? Because I want you to be blessed. You know, whatever you partner with, you receive the blessing with that. That's just the way God works. So I'm just inviting you today to give in faith, give cheerfully, and don't give out of guilt or compulsion. So Lord, just bless this offering, make it sufficient for uh, the needs of this church. And Lord, as you bless your people, let them find favor wherever they go. Let them know that you're real and that you you will bless them financially in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, this is uh, February the 23rd, okay? Everybody know that? Okay. I know y'all are wowing this. Okay. This is a fount of revelation up here. So next week is March 1st, okay? So we have two messages right here, 23rd and March 1st. I'm going to talk about the power of God in the next two weeks, today and next week. And then on March 4th, which is a Wednesday, which is Lent, I know we're not Catholic, But Lent's a a cool idea. Lent is 40 days before the Resurrection Day, which is Easter. And every time, um, every year on Lent, uh, they, the Catholic Church started this, that they begin to uh, fast of some kind. And people fast things for 40 days all the way up until the time of Resurrection or Easter. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Mardi Gras is the day before Lent, and that's when everybody breaks loose and does all their sinning so that they can fast for the next 40 days. We're not going to do that, but we are, we are going to celebrate Lent. So uh, on the 4th of March, you're going to begin a journey, I hope you do, I hope your whole family does, of a negativity fast. What we're going to fast is our negative attitudes, minds, words. We're going to fast that, and we have a little book that we want to put in the hand of every family in our church, not the hand of every person we can't afford it but every family. And if you could just put this in a place in your home where everybody would have access, or maybe even better, do it with your family, sit down and do it together and pray together. This is the easiest, it's a, it's, and it's so powerful. We've done this before uh, a couple of times. And so you say, why are we doing it again? Because we just hadn't quite learned the lesson of not being negative. So we're going to try it again. So starting March 4th, you, um, you can get, stop by today and get your book uh, this week, next week, and then on March 4th, you want to have your book and so get one. If you want additional books, we're just going to ask you to go to Amazon and buy them. They're quite expensive uh, for what they are. But um, anyway, we just can't afford to put one in the hand of everybody, but I hope you understand that. But we want to put the one in the hand of every family absolutely free. And so we want you to do that. 
I think, it'll, I think you'll really, really, really be blessed if you go through this thing. And I will be preaching all the 40 days that we go through this uh, out of truths that are out of this book. So that's what we'll be doing for the next several weeks. Now, March 8th, the, in three weeks, we will have the first of four ministry services that we're going to have in 2020. This is something that God began to uh, birth in our church last year. Ministry services are very powerful. Pastor Lindell comes up and he directs those services. And what they are is they're, um, they're, they're what they're called. They're ministry. You're ministering to the people, in it, but it's in a congregational sense. You're doing it corporately. And there will be prophetic words. What that means is there will be people up here that have a prophetic gifting and they'll be hearing things from the Lord, and they'll be talking to people in the, in the congregation. And they'll be giving you words publicly, um, and that's the way God works sometimes. A lot of times we give private words, but in this particular instance, we give them publicly. And that ministry service is usually super powerful. And I just want to invite you to write that down March 8th. Uh, that'll be in both services. We will have ministry, ministry services on that day. Um, so many things going on at church this year. Uh, go to the website, ilovemore.org, or go out front to the Welcome Center. They will direct you uh, on how to get involved. We had a going up meeting last night. We're 50 plus years old. Um, it was just a sweetest, sweetest meeting. And uh, it, we had a chili cook-off. I lost again. I don't know what happened. I've lost my mojo. But we had, a, we had uh, a couple of great, well, we had several, seven great chilies, and uh, we ate them all and had heartburn all night. So, all right, enough of that. Let's get into the Word of God. Um, we're going to be talking about being healthy, happy, and whole, and uh, we're going to kind of continue that, but we're taking a little bit of a turn today because we're going to begin to talk about the power of God um, in our life and how God can help us with His power to turn a corner. I think a lot of Christians, they get the idea that um, we live our Christian life by willpower, our own power. And you hear it, you know, you've got to be pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. That's not the truth. You cannot live the Christian life by your willpower. You, you can't be good. You can't be good enough. You can't even be disciplined enough. But you can live how God wants you to live by his power. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Actually, specifically today, we're talking about this power that we have from God to choose, which is one of the most powerful things we, we see. So let's pray and ask God to bless the reading of his word. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it's a spiritual book. We thank you, God, that your spirit wrote this through men of old, and you're rewriting it in our heart every time we read it. You're writing your word on our heart. So God, today, let the truth be known, let the truth be revealed, let the truth be implanted in our soul and in our heart, and let us walk according to what you've put here, because God, well, first, we don't even understand it without your spirit, and we certainly can't obey it without your spirit. So we ask today, God, that you do a supernatural work uh, in each and every one of us, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to start by saying that choice, the power of choosing, is actually one of the most powerful things, if not the most powerful thing, that we have access to. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but how many of you ever made a bad choice? Yeah, only a few of you, about half of you. Well, for the rest of you, you may not know what that feels like, but when you make a bad choice, you find yourself in a bad spot. And you say, how do you know it's a bad choice? Because you end up in a bad place. And you go, hey, that was a bad choice. How many of you know how to get out of a bad place? 
by making good choices. The only way you can undo a bad choice is by making enough good choices to get to a place where everything's okay. If you ever made your wife mad, that's a bad choice. You've got to do a lot of good choices to be able to get back on good graces. It just That's the way it works. There's a little free marriage counseling for you younger guys. <laughs> but choice is a God-given right. It's a God-given right. It's a privilege that God gives every person that's ever been born on the face of the earth. You know why? Because we're created in the image of God. And God has free will. God chooses the nation of Israel. God chooses who he wants to save. God chooses who's going to be in leadership. God chooses because he gets to choose because he is the ultimate of free will. He does. He's sovereign. He does what he wants. And then he makes us in his image. And you have the power to choose. It's a God-given right because you've been made in his image. Now, I don't know if you've thought about this, but your whole life right now, right now, the experience of your life, what you're experiencing, is the result of your choices that you've made. Now, some of you would argue with me and say, well, no, no, I, I, you know, my life has not been the result of my choices. It's been the result of all the people around me's choices. No, that's not true. In fact, I would argue with you that you are exactly where you are today experiencing life at the level you're experiencing because of the choices that you make. You're, you, know, you know, it says that, research says that an adult, ma- uh, not an adult male, but an adult uh, person makes 27 choices, choices a day. 27 a day. I don't know how they know that, but that's what they say. On the average, we make 27 choices a day. That's like a, almost a million choices in a lifetime. And those choices can be very simple from what you're going to wear, from what you're going to eat, you know, whether you're going to get out of the chair and go exercise, you're going to sit there and drink another cup of coffee, whatever you're going to do. The choices you make every day is what makes your life what it is. And you make a whole bunch of those every single day. Now, here's the good news. If we need to change our life, it's really simple. We just have to make better choices. Sounds so simple. Okay, I can end. Amen. Come for prayer, whatever. But you know that I'm I'm not going to stop there because there's a lot of people that I talk to that don't think they have a choice about their quality of life. They think that everything around them is going to dictate their quality of life. But I'm here to tell you, with the authority of God's Word, with the authority of what I know about God, that you have every right and even the obligation and the responsibility to choose your own thoughts, to choose your own emotions. You're responsible for those things. To choose your own healthy habits or not. You're responsible for those things. You know, every time you eat something, you have a choice. I don't know if you know that. And you definitely have a choice about what words you use. And that's why we're using this book, Beginning in Lent. We have a choice about our words. And you know, words are a very, very important part of the quality of your life. You may not know that, but your words create because you've been made in the image of God. And he said, let there be light, let there be an earth, let there be whatever. And whatever he said, he created, and he's made us in his image. And he said, if you declare a thing, it will come to pass because our words create the world that we live in. And we'll talk about that more next week. 
But words are very important, and you have these choices. Now, some of your choices that you're making at this time, they're not helping you. But because many of you live by habit and habit alone, you do the same thing over and over and over, and you don't even give any thought to it. Many of the choices are made for you because you're so habitual about the way that you're living, you don't think twice about how you eat or how you live or what you say or anything. You just go throughout your day responding like you always have, and that's the reason your life always ends up in the same spot, is because you will not be aware and make a choice to change. It takes being mindful. It takes being aware. And that's what I want to talk more about today. As people say, I just have trouble making decisions. You know, in that research that said that we make 27 choices a day, they said the average person takes nine minutes to make a choice. I don't know how they know that. I think, you know, that uh, it takes me about 30 seconds sometimes. It takes Wendy about 30 minutes sometimes because she has to have more information than I do. And, you know, between the two of us, we usually make a pretty good choice. I don't know. Some people won't make a decision. They're so vexed by fear. They're so afraid that they're going to make the wrong decision, they don't make one. Well, that's a decision. I don't know if you know that, but you've chosen to not make your own decision, and you've chosen to let life choose for you. If you let life choose your own way in the world, you're not going to like where you end up. You have the power and the responsibility by God to make the choice. And you can't let fear come and just completely shut you down. You have to trust God. You have to make good decisions. This picture on the left here is a, is a portrait of Peter preaching to the masses on the day of Pentecost. And we know what happened. There were 3,000 people that got saved and they're that, in this picture. I love it because they're going down in the Jewish mitzvahs, which is a baptismal thing by the temple, and they're using those for Christian baptism because 3,000 people were saved in one day because Peter's powerful preaching. He said he preached with boldness. And, and these people came by the thousands in one day. Peter made a choice to go out there and preach to the masses. Well, what did be, what, you know, it's Pentecost. That means it's 50 days after the resurrection day. 50 days had gone by since Jesus had resurrected. And what had they been doing for those 50 days? Well, I'll tell you what they'd been doing. It says in two different things in the Bible. It says they were waiting for the power to come on high, which Jesus told them to wait. But the other thing that we don't look at is they were in there because in, in John 20, right after Jesus resurrected, the disciples locked themselves in an upper room because they were afraid of the Jews. They'd been associated with Jesus and they were scared to death. So they chose to lock themselves away. They chose to be living in fear, and they chose to not come out of that room for 50 days. Now, God chose to put the Spirit on them, and when he put the Spirit on them, something spectacular happened. It says that whenever the Spirit fell upon them, that the power of God got on them, and just in one, one brief encounter with God, they were able to choose the hard thing and Peter was able to leave that room, no longer living in fear. This is the guy that had denied Jesus three times, and a couple of times to just kids, to girls. Peter was afraid. Yet there suddenly there was this boldness because the power of God fell on him. The Spirit of God came inside of him and on him, and it came in such a way that it changed him from being afraid to making a choice that was very hard, even scary. 
And what happened? 3,000 people came to the Lord. I think this is not just an isolated instance. I don't think this is just about Peter. I think this is about all of us. I think a lot of us are afraid to live and do what God's created us to do. I think a lot of us are afraid to make decisions because we're afraid we'll look stupid. We're afraid we'll, we'll do something that's scary. We're just afraid to make decisions. And therefore, we don't make decisions. And life hands us whatever it wants to. And we become frustrated and bored. And life is not meaningful because we're afraid to make the choice. But there's good news. God has his spirit to empower us. To empower you to make the choice that you couldn't make before God encounters you. But it's a choice. In fact, it says clearly in the word, be filled with the Spirit. That sounds like to me it was a choice. I think a lot of people just put all that on God. Well, if God wants to fill me with the Spirit, He will. But according to the word of God, it sounds like a choice. Being filled with the Spirit is a choice that we make every day. In fact, that little sentence, in the, it's such an interesting little out of Ephesians, that little be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, is actually so complex in the Greek. And by this I mean there's three tenses in that one little sentence. Three Greek tenses. The present tense, the passive tense, and the imperative tense. All in this one little sentence. It means that it, it, it's present. It means that it's ongoing. It's passive. It means that God does it to us. And it's imperative, which means that we have a part to play in it. You can't, how can it be all three? Well, a lot of people think it should be interpreted the way it is at the bottom. Let yourself, that's your part, be continually filled with the Spirit. Your part is to let God, to seek God, to ask. It says in, in Luke 11 that we ask for the Spirit of God. And he says if we ask for the Spirit of God... He's going to give you the Spirit of God. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to get a different spirit. He's going to give it to you. So when you ask and you believe, he says he's going to fill you. In fact, it says in the New Testament that he gives his spirit without measure. So our, our responsibility is to desire it. We need you, Lord. We need you to make these hard decisions. We need you to be able to choose rightly. We come to you, God, because on our own, we don't have the power or the knowledge or the, even the ability to make good decisions. It's so important that we do this, and it's ongoing. You know, I think one of the worst things we do in church is we teach people about, okay, you're born again, you become a Christian, and it's like it's that one-time experience, and you say, what's your testimony? And people go all the way back to whenever they were saved, and they talk about that moment when Jesus saved them for the very first time. That's great, except that's where it shouldn't stop. Your salvation is an everyday, ongoing experience. That's why God, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Every time we take that bread that's broken, and we take that wine that's blood, and we take that in remembrance of what it costs for his salvation, we're remembering. It's a daily remembrance of what it means to be saved. In this being filled with the Spirit, people say, well, I've been baptized in the Spirit. Great. But that's not a one-time deal. All through Acts, it's like, be filled, be refilled, be filled. Because it's a continual process. You need it every day. You need it all day. You need God speaking into your life all day, every day, so that you can make decisions that are good. You know, whenever, whenever you 
go to God and you say, God, I need your help in this moment. He can give you that help that you need in that moment by being filled by his spirit. What, I want you just to imagine what it would be like if the next time you're in an argument with your spouse, if you just went into the bathroom for a couple of minutes and said, Spirit of God, I need you right now. I need your strength. I need your courage. I need your wisdom. I don't want to escalate this fight. I want to bring peace. God, help me. He says in James 1 that if you need wisdom, ask. He'll give it to you. I don't know why he requires us to ask, but he does. But then you ask, and then you believe that you receive it. And when you step out of that bathroom and the words come out of your mouth, you know that God's touched you, and his spirit has given you wisdom and strength and courage to do the right thing. That's making a good choice. That's being filled with the Spirit. Can you imagine how different it would be if whenever you were humiliated at work by a coworker, instead of wanting to punch him in the mouth, you would go out and you would stop for a moment and say, Spirit of God, I need you. I don't want to lose my job, but I don't want to be walked on. What do I do? Give me the feelings I need to have. Give me the right direction. And God says he'll fill you with his spirit because he wants us to be continually filled, that we yield ourselves to the spirit of God. And he gives us the power from on high to do something we couldn't norm normally do. And you, and you go into that situation and you say the right thing and it gets you somewhere positive instead of somewhere negative. Before you answer someone. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you have a choice on how people treat you. You think, well, I can't choose how people... No, you can't choose how people think about you, but you can sure choose how people treat you. The reason that people get walked on is because they never go to the Lord and find the courage to stand up for themselves and do it in a godly manner. Now, people can all day long, oh, you know, my marriage is this, and he treats me this way, and everything. And I can tell you this, if you would go to the Spirit of God, and you would say, Lord, I need wisdom right now, and you would go out with the boldness that Peter went out with and preached to those masses of people, you would see a miracle work in your life because God wants to fill you with His Spirit, and He does not want you to be walked on. But it takes courage, and it takes, it takes the ability to go to God and ask and humbly get his wisdom, and then to stand up in faith and choose to do the right thing. Choose to do the hard thing. Stop avoiding the hard decision. Ask God for the help so you don't have to give in. So many people in toxic relationships, they're like, uh, I know it needs to end, but I don't know what to do. I just stay in it. That's because you haven't gone to God and said, God, I need your spirit to show me how to end this. I need to make a choice to either make it better or get out of it. And people will stay in a, in a friendship or something they know is not good because they don't have the courage to make the hard choice. You have the power to choose, and your life is a result of the choices that you make. I mean, it goes all the way down to choices about what we eat, being mindful. You say, well, it's always been that way. Well, it doesn't always have to be that way. What's stronger, your habits or the leading of the Spirit of God? I said when we started this, have you ever gone to God in prayer and said, God, how much should I weigh? God, what's your will about me and exercise? What's your will in me about my diet? God, what's your will be done? Instead of just doing our own will, would it be just so 
mind-blowing to say, Spirit of God, I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. And he'll say, I'll give you the power to choose. I'll give you the power. You couldn't do it on your own, but I'm going to give you the power. You want the power? He's not going to force it on you. Peter could have stayed locked in that room and 3,000 people would have gone to hell. I mean, he's not going to force it on anybody. But do we have the humility and the boldness and the courage to say, God, what do you want? And then say, I'm choosing that, even if it's hard. Even if it's hard. Because the way to change our life is so simple. Make better decisions. Make godly decisions. People think, well, it's too late, you know. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, you can. I'm, old, I'm an old dog. I've had to learn a lot of new tricks. And you can do it. I promise you, you can do it. With the Spirit's power. It's never, ever, ever too late. This woman's name is Mindy Grossman. She's a CEO of a major corporation in our country. Very successful woman. She's 62 years old. She doesn't look 62 years old. 62. But she has enough money probably to do, make, her, make herself look good. Too. I don't know. I don't really know that part. But she's 62. And her story's remarkable. And the reason it's remarkable is because this woman didn't grow up in a great way. I mean, her dad died when she was three, heart disease. And then her mother had a stroke when she was a teenager. And she lost her. And she, she grew up with so much pain from not having her parents, without having that. And she suffered in so many ways. She was really overweight, real overweight, wasn't healthy. And at 50 years old, this woman had her first heart attack. And it woke her up. And she had a decision to make. She had a choice to make. Am I going to die early like my parents? Am I going to just roll over and just do what I've always done? Or am I going to make a choice, the hard choice, to change my life? And she found motivation. It's like what we talked about on the very first week of this journey we're taking in 2020. You have to have a reason. You have to know why you want to be healthier, why you want to change your life, why you want your life to get to a new place. And her, her deal was, I grew up without my parents. I don't want my daughters to grow up without their parents. I don't want my granddaughters to grow up without, my par without their grandmother. I want to be there. I want to travel with them. I want to play with them. I want to be healthy and enjoy my life. So she started trying to change her life, and she did. She got healthier. And what was amazing was, as she got healthier, she became more confident, and her mind became clearer, and all this potential inside this woman started coming forth. By the time she was 53 years old, 50, three, three short years, 53 years old, this woman, Financial Times listed her as a top 50 women in the world in business. And she's been ranked in Forbes 100 most powerful women in the world. Forbes most powerful women in the world in 2009, 2011, 2012, 2013. Now just think about this. If she hadn't made the conscious choice to change, she probably would have been dead before she was 53. And all of that potential, all of that God-given potential that was definitely put inside of her by God, would have died. But she didn't. Even at 50 years old, she said, I'm doing this. I'm changing. I'm changing my life. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to let the, the world 
dictate to me how long I live. I'm not going to let my family history dictate to me how long I'm going to live. I'm going to make my choices about my life and what I'm going to do. And God gives her this tremendous blessing because she dared to walk it out in faith. I just, I just love stories like that because I think they so explain some of Jesus' teachings so well. Because I think we, teach, we see Jesus' teachings and we over-spiritualize them sometimes. We, we treat them like they're some mystical, you know, something that we can't, can't really apply to our life. And I just want to say, like the parable of the talents, that's not just about dying and going to heaven. It's really about life right here. Jesus tells this story about, about a king, and he goes on a journey. And before he goes on the journey, he calls his servants to him. And he says he gives them five talents to one and two talents to another and one talent to another. And, and he calls these talents his goods. God calls them his goods. Something God possesses that when he's creating a man or a woman, he says, I'm going to put some of my greatness inside of you. Some of us get five, some get two, some get one. But he's put it in there, and it's his. And then he says he's done that according to our, our ability. Or it, the word is dunamis. It's our power. He said, I'm giving this to you, and you have the power to carry this. You have the power to let this come forth but you'll have to make choices to have it come forth. And we know the story. The one with five made choices to make five more. The one with two had a choice to make two more, and he did. But the one with one, he hid it in the dirt. And that's what so many people choose to do. I refuse to make a decision. I refuse to make a choice. I'm not going to play. I'm going to just bury it in the dirt and pretend it doesn't exist. And I'm just going to live my life according to how everybody else lives it. And then I'll die whenever, whatever. Life will just happen to me. God says, no, I gave you the power and the responsibility and the goods that are mine. Your intellect is God's. I don't know if you know that. Your creativity came from God. I don't know if you know that. He's the ultimate creator. He's, the ultimate, uh, he's ultimately full of wisdom. Everything that we have, our potential, is God-given. It's a God gift. People want to, you know, one of the biggest deceptions in the church today is that somehow Judgment Day is going to be about sin. And Jesus said clearly that he took all sin upon himself and did away with sin, it says in Hebrews 9. He did away with it. Yet we still want to resurrect that as the thing that's going to happen on Judgment Day. Like God's going to bring up all your sin and show it on a big picture screen and you're going to be embarrassed. Jesus took it on the cross. The judgment Day is not about sin. Judgment Day is about accountability. That's what it says over and over and over. It's about account. What did you do? What did you do with my goods? What did you do? I gave you all this. What did you choose to do? And choosing to do nothing, choosing to hide it, is making a choice. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, I, God, made you in your mother's womb. I chose you. See, God makes choices. Sometimes we don't agree, you know. 
But God makes all kinds of choices in the Bible. Sometimes he chooses people to be great that we wouldn't choose to be great. But God says, I'm going to choose them because they're sovereign. He says, I chose you. And before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. Now, people say, well, that's Jeremiah. He was a big prophet. I, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus said that every New Testament saint, every New Testament born-again person that has access to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit of God could, has the potential to be greater than any Old Testament prophet. Do you know that that's what Jesus said? And I think Jesus didn't lie. He said that every one of us has the potential to be greater than any Old Testament prophet. These words that were spoken over Jeremiah are not just exclusive to him. They're exclusive to all of us. He said the same thing about you. He said, I made you in your mother's womb. And I chose you to be mine. And I chose you for a special work. He chose Peter to preach on that day and have 3,000 people saved. He chose this Mindy Grossman to be a great woman in business. And, and you know, he's chosen you to do great things as well. A special work, he says. I set you apart for that before you were born. I put my talents in you. I put my goods inside of each one of you. It blows my mind a little bit. While I was in my mother's womb, he said, I'm going to make Daryl. He's going to be born in Pittsburgh, Texas. He's going to be born in this family. He's going to be white. You know? He's going to grow up in this kind of environment with two brothers. He's going to be six feet tall. He's going to have brown hair, brown eyes. You know, I'm going to make him with this amount of potential intellectually. I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a pastor's heart even from the time that he was born. All those choices were God's. doesn't have anything to do with me. I didn't choose any of that. My choices come after that. My choices are, what am I going to do with what he put in my heart? And I can tell you, struggling to become a pastor, struggling with the, with the decision to choose to do what God told me to do, when I knew that I would make less money or I, would, you know, I wasn't sure that I could succeed, I wouldn't know. All these things that were scary, it took God's power and my power to be able to make the decision or the choice to live the life that God's created me to live. And even as a pastor... And with these elders, we make choices, hard choices. What's this place going to look like? What are we going to do? Do we take the easy road? Do we take the popular road? Do we take the road that everybody says we should take? Or do we take the one we feel in the Spirit of God is telling us to take? Or are we willing to just make simple choices and not hard choices? Because honestly, the ultimate, the ultimate judgment... I hate to use that word, but it's the word God uses, will be on what were you called to do. Not, did you do the easy thing? Did you do the prosperous thing? Did you do the hard thing? Did you do the thing? Did you make a decision that was hard because I told you to make it? And sometimes it's scary. But we need God's Spirit every single day. I'm getting close to the end. Abraham Lincoln, one of the most powerful men, spirit-filled Christian. His writings are so inspirational. And, and just, I think about sometimes the position that man was in. Now, you know, we look back, we say, okay, he was the president of the Union, and the, you know, the North, and, 
It, you know, slavery was wrong, and he abolished slavery, and uh, it's an, a simple decision. No, no, it was not a simple, it was not anything simple about it. But I look at this man of God, and I say, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to live for God. There's not a clearer picture in the whole that I could find anywhere. He gives us the power to do what's right. He wrote these words. Having thus chosen our course, and we know what course that was, they were going to go against something that had been ingrained in the minds of men and women all over the world, and especially in our nation for hundreds of years. He said, having chosen our course, let us renew our trust in God. He had to believe that what he was doing was from the Lord. And he did. And go forward without fear. Why would he fear? Well, it cost him his life. I don't know if you know that, but when he was shot in the head in that theater, it was because of what he did. And he said, I don't want to go forward in fear. I want to go forward in faith. Just like Peter. They may come and arrest me and crucify me. I don't know. And Peter did get crucified finally. But the deal was he decided not to live under fear, and he decided to live in faith. And he said, go forward without fear with manly hearts. Don't get tied up in gender. <laughs> I think you can translate what this means in our terminology today. He's saying, go forth and do the hard thing. People say, well, that was an easy choice, though. No, you, you don't understand. It wasn't just plantation owners that were hating on Abraham Lincoln because they were using, they were owning people and economically profiting by making them work for nothing. I mean, it wasn't just plantation owners that hated him for that. It was, it was politicians. It was, it was intellectuals. It was scholars in colleges and universities all over the South. There were people that were like, you are going against the economic fiber of the world. But the worst one of all, the worst one of all, was the churches all across the South. And you can look it up. All across the South, churches that stood up week after week justifying the fact that it was okay, even God-given, and using this book, this authoritative book that's been given to us and governed us for thousands of years, they were using this book to justify slavery in this country. They were making it sound like Abraham Lincoln was going against the will of God. Because they were saying, oh, it's so clear in here what God says about slavery. And I could preach you a sermon next week and make you think slavery was okay because you can manipulate this book. You've got to rightly divide it. And people hated him. And preachers preached against it. And people called him heretic. And people called him all kinds of names. But there was a certain group of people that had to rise up and say, this is not the heart of God. You make choices. They're hard. Sometimes you feel like, you know, I'm sure that Abraham Lincoln had days he thought, am I nuts? But no, there would be something inside of him, and that something inside of him, it was God's goods, God's goodness that he put inside of that man, put inside of each one of us to do the right thing, the hard thing. And he did it. And I think whenever they wrote that Constitution, I think that, I mean, the Declaration of Independence, I think that our founding fathers had the heart of God right in their sights. And they wrote the Declaration of Independence, and it was, it was long before Abraham Lincoln did what he did. 
But I think that when those men wrote that Declaration of Independence, it was the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying it's inspired like the Word of God. I'm just saying that our document, the Declaration of Independence, is a powerful governing document that guides us on the right road as American people. And he says, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. means you shouldn't have to be taught this. This is so basic to our humanity that all men and women are created equal. I mean, is, there, is that hard to understand? That they are endowed, not by us, but by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think, is this any clearer? This is God's heart. And people had to stand up and say, this is right. Regardless of the people that were trying to Bible thump them into submission. There's times that we stand up and we say, this is a choice we're making because it's right. And people will annihilate you. I know what it feels like. And I'm just saying to you, you make these choices and they're not always popular. But you know what? They're always what we should do because if it's the heart of God, it's what we're called to do and we shouldn't shrink back from it. So many people are afraid to make a choice because it's hard. And I love this. This Chinese philosopher has this great saying that all you know, new beginnings, they're always disguised as painful endings. Isn't that the truth? But because so many people are afraid of the painful ending, they will not make the decision they know they need to make, even if they know it's right. They're like, I don't know, I can't do that. When God's saying you need to do that, you have to find the courage to do that. Sometimes things have to end. Relationships have to end. Ways of doing things, ways of thinking have to end. There's people... I've talked to that can't even imagine their life without alcohol. They can't even imagine it. They've been so ingrained in it. What would I do? I'd be boring. I would have, I'd be so bored out of my mind. I don't know what I would do with my life. This is just a simple thing. But people will not change because they're so afraid of the painful ending. They don't really know what life would be like. And God's calling them through his spirit to say, I want you to step into something greater, something higher. You don't need those drugs to feel normal. You don't need that to feel normal. Make a choice that's good. Make a choice that lines up with God, even if it's a painful ending. Get out of that relationship you know is toxic. Get out of that. Get into things that are healthy for you. Make decisions that are, that are good, even if they're hard, because you have the power to choose. It's a God-given right. Don't let fear of the unknown keep you from doing what you should do. You have the power to choose. So the question comes at the end to this. Are we going to let the world and life just give us what the, it chooses to give us? Or are we going to choose how we live? It's a big question. Good question. Because God's given you the free will to do it. And not only that, if you're baptized in the Spirit and you're full of the Spirit, you have self-control that's given by the Spirit to help you do it. There's no excuse the full potential that's inside of you is your responsibility. But you have to make choices for it to come forth. It has to be you. You have the power to choose. Not just your friends. 
You even have the power to choose your standard of living. Nobody's telling you what you're worth. But the most important thing is we have the power to choose what we believe. We have the power to choose what we believe. And this is mind-blowing. But God puts in our hands the power to choose where we spend eternity. That's mind-blowing. People say, well, I thought that was up to God. No, God gave you the choice. God said his son died on the cross for every man, woman, and child that's ever been born. And then he puts the choice in our hand. He's already chosen you. He wants you. You just have to make a choice, a good choice, to open your heart to him. He wants you more than you want him. He wants you to spend eternity with him. But it's, it's your choice. It's your choice. It's just that simple. Don't put it off on God. Don't put it off on your, anybody else. Put it, put it squarely where it goes, right on you. And don't let your pride keep you from making a decision that you need to make that's so important. So let's stand up together if we could. If you're, if you're praying, for, if you're ministering today, please come up. and I just, I just want to pray for us this morning. God, I just ask that everyone in this room, God, could hear your spirit speaking clearly to them right now. I ask God that they would have the courage to choose God, the, the hard thing. Even some of them need to open their heart to you and the devil's trying to tell them that he's trying to trick them, God, through pride. And I just pray right now, Lord, that you just give them courage to say, no, I'm opening my heart. I'm receiving Jesus completely as my Savior. And then, Lord, give them the courage to ask for your spirit. Give them the courage to ask and to believe and then to obey your spirit's leading, God, in everything they do. I pray, Lord, that the choices that they make from this day forward be choices that it puts them closer to their destiny and not further away. I pray, Father, for courage for each one of them in this room, Lord, to choose even the hard thing because they know they need to make that choice. I pray for many in this room, God, that know that they have the choice about how people treat them. And, Lord, I pray that they would choose to have your words, your wisdom, your strength to stand up and, and tell the other person that they're not going to be treated that way. Father, I pray over all of us. I pray that we could be exactly who you want us to be, nothing more and nothing less. We thank you, God, for great examples of faith. And let us be a great example of faith for those that look in the, into our life, God. Let our church be a great example of faith. We thank you, God, for loving us. We thank you, God, for guiding us. We thank you, Lord, that without you, we're just drifting around. But with you, we have purpose. So thank you, God. Thank you for everyone in this room. Do a work in their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Come back. <laughs> Come back next week.